Castro mix. Oh, so Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. My name is Bonds. Joining me tonight we have Swans Rule 100. Good evening. Vaughn. Hello. And Punts. How are you guys? Now we're coming off a fantastic 24-point preliminary final win over Fremantle. That's probably, in my opinion, the best wet weather performance we've put in in the last few years. Swans Rule 100, do you want to take us away? Yeah, I would agree. It was the best wet weather performance in quite a while, but that's not very hard, I guess. But yeah, it was a good win. There's a lot of pressure in a final, especially against Fremantle with their super defence and everything. So I thought it was quite a controlled effort, four-quarter effort, really. I think um, the most frustrating part in the first half, especially, was that I think we hit Ibbotson on the chest like 50 times. He, he was going for three votes, or well, not that there's Brownlow votes, but... Every time we kicked it forward, it was Buddy against Silvani and Ibbotson. We hit Ibbotson time and time again. Um, and I felt like Fremantle really only scored when we made mistakes, like Gary Rowans had a couple of shockers early. But, I mean, he kept his head up. But I felt like we were letting them closer than they should have been. But in the end, we won every quarter. Um, you know, what more can you ask for in a final and a good solid win? And we get the week off. I think they'd be a bit sore after that. Uh, the players, I think, worth highlighting were probably... I think Smith and Rampies and Cunningham all did some pretty good stopping jobs. Which Kurt, like those small forwards had minimal influence. Walters bobbed up a little bit, but I didn't really notice Ballantyne much or Hill to any great extent. Uh, I thought McVeigh pushed back and took over the Malcheski role and stood up. And I thought Jack and him both stood up at key moments, like um, McVeigh backing back into Pavlich stood out to me. I know he copped a little bit from not diving on that ball in the goal square, but I think he showed his guts and determination in that one play alone against Pavlich. I thought um, Kennedy and Jetta were good and solid the whole game. Obviously, Parker and Hanabry and then McGlynn as well stood out to me and Franklin had that spark. Uh, the only people I was a bit concerned about with Goods, his defensive effort still bothers me, but I think he sparked up and showed what he can do to offset that, but he probably needs to do a little bit more. Tippett, we didn't use very well, but I think he's good, better as the second ruck option, but I thought we could have been smarter with our ball use for him and hopefully dry weather helps that. Um, and then my biggest question mark in the side is still Sam Reed. I'm not sure what he's been asked to do. I know he pushed back late and was handy, but I, I still think we could probably get more from another smaller player in there and open up the forward line. But I'm pretty wrapped and I'm confident that we can beat either of the two teams we'll face in the prelim. Okay, Vaughn, what are your thoughts on the game? Um, I've got to echo a lot of what SR said. There wasn't too much he said that I disagree with. The only thing I have to add... I know he touched on it, but I was very disappointed, I guess. I know that we won, 
but it didn't really feel like a very dominant performance. It, it, it was kind of a weird game, in all honesty, being at the ground. Like, I'm sure a lot, is, a lot has been said about the 35,000 crowd, which I'll be the first to admit is disappointing. Um, but it was just a very, I guess, odd game to be at physically. Um, it didn't really feel like we had that much home crowd advantage and, and all of that jazz, but onto the actual game itself. Um, I thought that Pike did – Pike gets an honourable mention for his effort, but I thought Sanderlands absolutely crushed him. Um, the hitouts, we lost the hitouts by a fair bit. And, yeah, Sanderlands, um, Sanderlands played really well and Pike, you know, I guess – on one hand, I'm not really that worried because we're not going to come up against another team that has a rock of that calibre. Um, and we did pretty well to cover the clearances. You know, I think we broke even and all of that stuff. Our midfield our midfield played quite a good game, I thought. Kennedy especially. And McGlynn, you, you wouldn't have thought that he has missed, you know, five weeks or so of football just the way he played. Obviously, a very special mention to my favourite player. I thought he played extremely, extremely well. Um, and I actually also want to mention, Hannah's, I thought, played a really good game, especially with the Crowley tag. I thought that he really stepped up. And as you guys all know, when Hannah's plays well, Sydney tends to win. So I was quite pleased with that. Um, I'm a bit disappointed about the Malcheski injury, but McVeigh back was... He, he was probably instrumental in my opinion in that third quarter he set up a lot of goals and he had just very good decision making so while he doesn't really cover Malcheski he's probably you know he, he's, he did as well as a job as anyone on our team could have so I'm not too worried if Malcheski doesn't pull up but yeah it was a it's good to get the win and yeah okay just before we go to Punter's thoughts on the game I just wanted to give my few two cents. Um, most people on the board will be giving best on ground and in the media to Luke Parker for going head-to-head with Nathan Fife and probably winning the day. But in all honesty, I think the... And he's gotten a fair bit of media attention, but standout clear best on ground for me was Nick Smith on the weekend. 25 possessions, 96% efficiency, and the shutdown dog job he did on Ballantyne was superb. Like... You're not going to see a better small defender job anywhere in the AFL. Like, time and time again, Ballantyne was stuck one out against Smith, and Smith would win. Like, that has to be probably the best game of his career so far, and yeah, I really slewed him for that. And the other person who hasn't gotten to mention yet, and I know he's hogged every single bit of media coverage over the last day, but... Lance Franklin standing up in the last quarter with those two pretty special goals, to say the least. Um, we see it every week, but no matter how often you see it, you still don't expect it to happen. It's quite scary, and we're really lucky to have a player like him in our team at the moment. And his move up, Longmire moving him to the wing in the second half was pretty instrumental to the win. Anyways, Punt, what are your thoughts on the game? Yeah, you guys pretty much um, covered most stuff. Um, I thought the first half we butchered it going forward like we have pretty much most of the year. Um, I just thought that the only option going forward was Buddy and even if Buddy had three blokes on him, it was still, they still went to him and Ibbotson was just cleaning up um, mark after mark. I don't know how many intercepts he would have had in the first half. It must have been seven 
seven plus in the first half, something like that. He was almost best on ground, Ibbotson, and I, it was almost like, but yeah, Buddy was the the main focal forward, and Tippett and Reed and Goods were all decoys or whatever they were, whatever they were doing down there. So I don't know if they were, you know weren't presenting or or the mids just wanted to kick it to Buddy because you know maybe he's going to pull it out of his ass like he normally does. But um, yeah, besides that, I reckon the second half we, uh, as I said, we moved uh, Franklin up the ground and that sort of opened up the forward fifty a little bit, and Goods got into the game a bit more. And um, I think Tippett second rucking now is just the way they've always wanted it since the start of the year. Obviously, they hadn't they had him haven't had him in there to be able to do that. But I thought he was good in the ruck around the ground, and um, he's you know they're pretty decent ruckmen. So the way the way they've got it now set up with that, I reckon that's a hell of a lot better than having Sam Reid in the ruck here, there, and everywhere sort of thing. I know he's not having a big impact on the game, even though he's not in the ruck at the moment, but. The best option is having Tippett in the set in, in the second ruck and getting his mobility a bit around the ground. So um, that was good to see. I also thought, um, uh, shout out to Jake Lloyd, uh, first final to rack up 25 or 24 plus possessions and just his composure. And as I said, in a first final, um, was um, yeah, was pretty bloody good. And he was um, definitely in my top five in the votes. Just um, yeah, it was really good for a first for a first gamer. Uh, I thought we turned over the ball a fair bit and just gave them easy goals. SR said they go around a couple of times. I think Josh Kennedy gave up two goals as well. Um, their goals come from turnovers, so hopefully we can clean that up. And I know um, hopefully Gary can get better. You know, with, uh, might have been under a bit of pressure, so hopefully that can get better. Malcheski's a big loss, but McVay covered that pretty well, and I reckon that was a bit of a captain's knock on the weekend. I know that. He got everyone got stuck into him for the for the goal, you know, not jumping on the ball in the goal scoop. There was another two Sydney Swans fellas there as well, and um, Pavlich's direct opponent was Teddy Richards. So maybe Teddy Richards should have been a bit tighter on um, Pavlich to start with, um, and then maybe that not that might not have happened. So that um, another standout for me was probably um, yeah, or well, Nick Smith. You covered that, and Luke Parker is just a. He just keeps going and going, that kid, and he's just getting better and better each week. And to go head to head with Fife, and I know Fife had 29, but um, they were both, you know, pretty good. And um, Parker can hold his head up high, so be good a week off, and then into the prelim. Now, I want to actually ask for your thoughts on one of the matchups in the weekend punts. Well. What did you think of Pike in the ruck against Sanderlands? Like, I know Sanderlands won the hitouts, but he was always going to. I mean, I can't exactly remember a time Sanderlands hasn't won the hitouts at mm. AFL level. But, in my honest opinion, I was a bit surprised to hear Vaughn um, say he was bashed around the ground by Sanderlands, because I thought Pike probably had his best game for the year. What are your thoughts on it? I thought he was good in the first three quarters. He might have tied out maybe towards the end, but as you said, Sandlands is covering him by about, well, must 10 odd centimetres, so, and he's always going to get on top of a ruckman at some stage of the game, but the last quarter he really started getting on top, and, you know, I think, I, I don't know what the clearances were in the last quarter, but it just seemed like it was going their way big time in the last quarter, so I, I don't know what the clearances were in that last quarter, just seemed he was getting out to five, and it was a couple of times in, um, in their defensive 50 that, he got one down to Mundy. Mundy kicked the goal, and then Pike gave away the free kick. And really, Santa Lance probably should have slotted it. And then there was another time he got it down to Need, and Need just missed it. So, you know, it was pretty. You know, say for instance, Santa Lance kicks that goal, and Need kicks that goal. Well, it's game on. Um, 
I thought, yeah, he got he definitely got the better of Pike in the last quarter. Um, but for the first three quarters, I think they could have broken broken even. Tippett v, um, you know, uh, Tippett and Pike v Centrelands and Clark. So besides that last quarter, I think um, he, yeah, he done he done pretty well. But the last quarter there was a few crucial times there um, where Monday got the goal and and as I said. Um, Neil missing one and and uh, also Sandlands getting the free kick. That if they kicked them two, maybe it would have been a, a different ball game. So, but as I said, he's always going to get on top at some stage, and he did in that last quarter. But you know, Pike did well in the first three quarters. I thought. Okay, now Swans, we all wanted to get your thoughts on one of the matchups on the weekend. Obviously, this is one that's created the most attention. Fife and Parker going head to head. Now, traditionally, we've always really struggled with a valid um, matchup for Fife against Fremantle. Always seems to come back from either injury or suspension and, well, basically kill us. Um, so, basically, it seems like on the weekend we kind of figured out, well, he's going to do damage to us anyway, so we may as well send one of our better midfielders um, towards him and kind of freed him up a little. What are your thoughts on Longmire's um, game plan there? Oh well, obviously it worked because Parker for me was probably he got gave him five votes and I thought he was best on ground. So, um, but Fife, I mean, I'd love to have Fife in the Swans games because you can see how damaging he is. And Sandilands just puts the ball down his throat and he tears off out of the middle. Him and Mundy especially, and it's bloody scary when he gets gets going. And then he pushed forward and got that goal, and he just outmarked. I think it was Parker himself directly. He just moved him so easily, and I mean that's two midfielders going head to head, and his strength is just impressive, but. I mean, what did he do? He had a fair few clangers yesterday, I felt, and he was always under pressure, so that's the main thing I noticed yesterday. There was one time he was out on his own with only Pike near him, which was a bit of a concern, so he didn't have a tight tag, clearly, but I think rolling the dice and saying, well, Fife's going to get 25-plus, here's a player, see if you can stop him getting 25-plus, probably work, but I mean, if we lost, we'd probably be going on a long way for not making Fife accountable, but Fife, as always, I think went at about 60% efficiency, so... Like a damage, so a tick to, to Parker. But yeah, Fife, Fife worries me more than any other Frio player if we play him again in the grand final. Okay, now, Vaughn, what are your thoughts on Jetta's game and his current role with the Swans at the moment? Do you feel as if he's more important to the Swans in his current role with breaking away from congestion than he was for us in 2012? That's actually really funny you asked me about Jetta because I was just thinking, I can't believe I forgot to say this. I thought Jetta played. Uh, probably his best game this year, or maybe I just noticed him more this game. I don't really know what it was about it. In in the past, I guess, me personally, the games I watch are actually at the ground, and what I've noticed is every time he gets the ball, the crowd gets so excited, and then they kind of, you know, start cheering him on, but, but then he always kind of stops and reassesses his options, and, and, you know, he always does a beautiful kick, but the difference, and I guess that's what you're talking about with his changing role, the difference with that in 2012 was he was he would take the game on so much more and uh, contribute um, in terms of actually kicking goals as opposed to setting them up. So I guess my answer to your question is, well, unless we, sorry, unless we keep him actually permanently in like, you know, unless we permanently have him playing the role in 2012, then there is going to be that sacrifice. He's not going to score as often as he does, but he just uses the ball so well. I think his decision making, and you know, there was this one kick. It was um, it looked like a shank off the boot, punts or SR. Maybe you guys remember it, but being at the ground, I can't really remember it. But 
there was this one kick where it was just really well weighted. It looked like a shank, but it was just a great kick to the left or to the right, and it just set up. It set up Son for goal. As you can see, I've got very bad memory, but the point is, I think Jeter in his current role is such such an attribute to the team than he would breaking the lines. You know, yes, his speed is really exciting, but we don't really have those classy kicks into the forward 50. I mean, the fact that we're praising McVay so much is because we're finally seeing someone kick it cleanly to one of our forwards. So I think that it shows we're clearly lacking in that department, so I would not take Jeddah away from that. Hey, Bonds. Yeah? Well, you're asking everyone questions. What about one for you? Like, Lloyd... This game was awesome yesterday, which Punt's highlighted. And he's sort of been earmarked by most of us as the sub going forward. Does he go back to sub for the next two finals or does he deserve to start the game? Personally, I believe Lloyd actually deserves to start the game. He's giving us a really different option coming out of the midfield. Like, we've got so many players that are inside players and even, like, we need another player similar to Hannabury on the outside who can help us break away from congestion at times. I, I know we use Jeddah in that role as well, but more of an outside receiving player, and Lloyd's doing that really, really well at the moment. He can play on the inside, but it doesn't. it isn't really his role. And he's performing a different role in our team, and I think he's doing it perfectly. Like, I can't see any reason why we would use him as sub at the moment if he's going to be racking up 24, 20 to 24 possessions every week and being really effective going forward. He seems to just create so much for us. I yeah. thought he was actually handles the wet better than half the other fellas in the team too, to be honest. I've never, it's one of the most impressive debut finals I've ever seen. In all yeah. honesty, in regards to handling the wet weather, not many players in our team seem to handle the wet very well, though. He just He's just clean. He's just the one... He just handles the ball real clean. Every time he gets it, he's either a good hand pass or, or a good kick. He just... And, you know, he doesn't fumble picking it up. He just, you know, clean grab every time. I, yeah, I think I agree with Vassar. I think it's one of the best debuts you'll see in a you'll see in a final. To rack up twenty four possessions and be so composed, and it just looked like he, you know, he played a hundred games. You know what I mean? So, and he and he pushes into defence. He normally takes out. He doesn't take the kick out, but he normally receives the kick out kick by McVay or someone. You know, in that pocket, he runs hard to to the wings, and then and then he'll 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 kick it, and then he'll run hard. So, you know, and cop it and get it back on the wing again. He's a, he's in, definitely an endurance, an elite endurance in runner because I've seen him. The times I've seen him, he just um he runs just as hard as as Hanbury and that he runs up and down the ground sideways to sideways. He's um he's a really impressive kid and I reckon he should be in the starting twenty one. I know if Malcheski, if there's nothing wrong with Malcheski, who they're going to pick out a bird and Lloyd for the sub, it might be it might be Lloyd. But um if Malcheski doesn't come up and they do move McVay back. I don't think the best suitable, you know, I wouldn't bring in Mitchell and play Mitchell in the twenty-one and the twenty-one and make Lloyd the sub. I'd, you know, maybe a Towers or someone if, if McVeigh's going to go back and just leave it, leave um, Lloyd in the side. Yeah, I have to agree with that, um, especially with Lloyd at the moment. Just even you're right, his pace and his attributes are just completely different to everything else we have in our team at the moment. He gives us a different option. I. Can't see any reason why Long Riot would make him the sub again. Like, he's been very effective as a sub player, yes, but 
with the option he's providing in our starting 21 at the moment, it's I don't really want to take that away. We don't take many marks either. I think he had equal most marks for the team yesterday. He had as many uh, as Buddy, at least. No, yeah, he took four marks yesterday. Oh, no, he took seven. Sorry, I took that back. Yeah, yeah, the same as Buddy and Grundy. Grundy, bad. yeah. And we, we're not a high-marking side, so that's a pretty valuable commodity to have out there. So it depends on it's balance. Just but because how don't. willing he is to run into space. Exactly. For his side, yeah, exactly right. He does run into space and gets the, you know... But he's he's even got a good mark for for his size as well. He's only he's only a short fella, and um, for his size, he's a, he's a lot stronger than a Mitchell overhead, in in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I want him in the starting twenty-one. Whether that happens if Malcheski, you know, comes back in, and who they pick out of you know your Bird and um, a, a Bird and Lloyd as sub because it's really only out of them two. But as I said, if if Malcheski was to miss, I wouldn't. I, I, personally, I wouldn't bring in Mitchell and make Mitchell play and put Lloyd back to the sub. I'd maybe, you know, I don't think Mitchell's an impact player like that. I'd more inclined to go with Towers sub and play and play Lloyd. But you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. But yeah. Now I wanted to ask you. I was going to ask this to puns, but seeming Swanthrill wants to start asking me questions, I'll put it <laughs> towards him. Uh, what was your thoughts on Craig Bird on the weekend? He um, played three quarters, um, came on at the start of the second, got 13 disposals um, from 54% time on ground, um, 77% efficiency, which is quite high for Craig Bird's rates. So what was your thoughts on him in the game, and would you possibly switch him out for Mitchell? He was very good in the reserves on the weekend. Oh, that's a tough one, because I probably wanted to keep Mitchell in ahead of Bird. Going into the game, uh, I thought Bird was an odd choice as sub, which to me signaled he wasn't fit because he's a, you know, he's not an uh, impact player and he's pretty slow at the best of times. I don't see him coming on and turning a game late, if, and that's sort of what I ideally want from a sub, someone with a bit of pace to inject into the side. So he was lucky; he almost Manchester got injured, he got to come on. But, but I thought he wasn't quite moving as well as he moves, which is isn't that great at the best of times. I, I'm not convinced he's actually fit, and I'm not sure he's worth risking unfit anyway because Mitchell's just as good, if not arguably more skilled, but he was at a solid game. I think the AFL website gave him five out of ten, and I'd probably agree with that. He didn't really do anything wrong. I think he had a few clangers, but, yeah. It was just Craig Bird, average Craig Bird game. Take it or leave it. I don't think that's much of an answer, but, yeah. I, I He's not a subs asshole, ideally, but we'll see what happens. I think the main reason they wanted to use Bird on the weekend as sub is because he's relatively versatile. He can play as an inside midfielder. He can rack up a little bit of the ball if we need him to as well. But he could also perform a shutdown job and be a defensive forward. So he's a handy player, but I can understand the logic. Who, um, SR, who would you have preferred to be sub? Just out of curiosity. Well, having just praised the hell out of him, I probably would have started Lloyd as the sub. Going into the game, which I wouldn't do now, he's made it hard, but because uh, because he's got more pace and can impact the game, but that, it's hard. Pick, I hate the sub rule. It's hard picking the sub because the best sub I've still seen in the Swans Guernsey is probably Gary Rowan against the Eagles that day. I think it was at Patterson's. Mm, and apart yeah. from that, I don't think we've ever really had that massive sub comes on and have an impact. And the sooner they get rid of the shitty rule, the better. But you just pick your spare midfielder as the sub, so I guess it's it's Bird at the moment because Lloyd outplayed him. That's the reality. I think it's interesting. Like I remember back in two thousand and twelve, and even parts of thirteen, we maybe on like 
the board, we always like an impact player to start as a sub. And for us, that was always Gary Rowan. And now Gary Rowan is so entrenched in our best 22. I guess we don't really have that sub kind of player, if you guys know what I mean. Like, I feel like, yeah, Bird was probably a strange choice, but you can understand it given he just came back from injury. But mm. I don't actually think that there is, like, we don't actually have a, you know, a, a, a player that's meant to be a sub. It probably sounds a bit bad, but I actually would like, Goods to be sub. I know I've said this before, but I just think an out of goods that comes on like three quarter time is a massive boost to the, um, to the game, and it's also like you know his fitness. Like he, he doesn't really chase opponents down or have much defensive accountability. Like if if we only played him for a quarter or so, I think his efforts would improve so much more. But that's probably a pretty unpopular opinion. <laughs> no, I'd, no, I'd agree. I can. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree as well. Definitely. Um, I'm not sure if Adam Goods agrees with you or possibly Longmire, but um, I can't see any reason why he wouldn't. Like, he'd be the perfect substitute player. He can versatile. He's played a little bit more in the midfield now as well, so we can use him there if needed. We can um, If we lose one of our tools up forward, we can put him there. And he can make an impact in a very small period of time. Like, coming into the ground, if we... If we make the grand final, dear God, I'd love it if Goods was our sub. I guess the only argument against which is that you haven't got him the whole game, and he probably still draws a goodish player away. But I know we've got a, we've already got a decoy in the team, so we don't really need Goods playing decoy role. I don't know. If good, tell you what, if he wants to actually seriously play on next year, then he better get used to the sub role because I don't see him playing anywhere else. I can see us. Um, I can see us managing managing him like Western Bulldogs in Bugia. Um, whenever Gio came on in the games I watched at least, which admittedly wasn't that many Western Bulldogs game, I thought that um, because Gio was still quite fresh, he was he was just so classy. Maybe their team's just really young and inexperienced, but I just thought that you know he didn't have to worry about running out a whole game. He could just display his talent and his class. But I don't know if Goods would be up for that. Okay, I uh, guess he would. Yeah. I think you're right though with the impact players like Goods. And Rowan and probably only Jetta are our three impact players. You're not going to make Jetta or Rowan the sub, but what I've got about... a feeling Goods, Goods will decide if he's the sub, and I don't think anyone's going to tell him to go do it, is the impression I get. As a hypothetical player for the sub role, what about Reece Shaw? He's got speed. Um, we've used him up forward as a defensive forward before. We can use him as an outside midfielder at a, if we're really in a massive pinch. Um, uh, he seems to provide that good energy to the team like we're... If he's in there for his leadership more than his skill sometimes. And like Rowan messed up about 40 times every time Shaw seemed to be the one over to him, reassuring him. I used his name in there. Um, so I don't know. But you yeah, are right. With that, with that bond, is they always play seven defenders, so they won't make one of them a sub. Yeah. And they always like playing one loose behind the ball. So I can't see Reshaw being a sub unless you were to play a late, you know what I mean? So I think Gary Rowan and Reshaw are sort of cemented as in they're the, they're the part of the back, you know, 6-7. So it's really, what SR said, it's pretty much out of Bird and Lloyd at the moment for me, um, unless they, unless, unless Malcheski does miss and they bring in a Towers to be the sub and both you know, Lloyd and, um, and uh, Bird play, but... Um, you know, it'd be it'd be interesting to see what they do before um before our next uh, 
our next opponent. But I would be going with Goods certainly. I'd like. I know people say you know he can do some you know some brilliant stuff still, and we've seen that in the Hawthorne game and stuff like that. But he can also get exploited. Like you know he got he can get run off easy and. I wouldn't be surprised if, if if coaches are preparing to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You go and play on goods. You know, make sure you know you defend first. But every time you can get away from him and you know exploit him, you know do it. I, I thought that Litherland did it to him. Even though Goods kicked four on that night, only in that one sort of quarter. That's the sort of risk you take if you're going to make him sub. That you know you can get one good quarter out of him, sort of thing. And you know he might. You know, he might not be able to do it in the last quarter for some reason. You could have done it in quarter two, if you know what I mean. But um, I thought that Litherland exploited goods that night and got away from him, you know, um, a number of times. And, you know, they can also put virtual to him or just some sort of player like that, you know what I mean? If they they bring the ball to ground, they're going to run off him every single time. So they can sort of exploit him. Um, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting one, goods. Okay, now going towards um, this weekend's matchup, we're going to be playing the winner of Geelong and North Melbourne. Who would you guys prefer to play in the prelim final? Oh, the team coached by Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, no, I'd say Brad Scott's like Brad Scott face, like, but they have the same face, so it's a bit of a conundrum. <laughs> I honestly think the three teams that are on the other side are harder anyway. I think we should beat whoever wins this week, personally. I think Geelong are a bit cooked and they're rebuilding and they've probably scraped in the top four. I think they'll be a better side in a few years. And North Melbourne, are, yeah, they've got, they can turn it on for a half, but, geez, their worst is pretty shit. I'd be confident we could shut it down. But probably, as silly as it sounds, I'd probably rather play Geelong at the moment. Just seeing North run home with a wet sail at the MCG sort of... Last night reminded me of Hawthorne running over us in a quick patch, whereas Geelong don't seem to run out games as well. So just by default, I'll go Geelong, which I assume will play anyway because that's what normally happens. But I'm pretty confident of making the grand final from here. It's just whether we can beat Hawthorne. Okay, what about you, punts? Um, I'd rather play Geelong. I'm a bit funny with North. They can either, as SR said, you can just see them for some reason, some quarters they can turn it on and... You know, if they got consistency over four quarters, they could probably put a team away, let alone, you know, who it is, Sydney. I've seen them put away, um, you know, Hawthorne four or five weeks ago. Um, you know, they put them away pretty easy, and Hawthorne on the side, you know, to put away pretty easy too, and they never come back. So, yeah, they're a bit a bit funny, a bit funny North. Um, as you said, the first half last night, they played terrible. Uh, um, yeah, I, I think they had a couple of goals to half-time, and they come out, you know, and kicked um, nearly 100 points. So they, they've got definitely got the capabilities of, you know, hurting a team and being able to kick a good score. Um, and I think they're defending a lot better and a bit more mature as well. So I'd probably rather play. And they did give us, I know we had, it was a wet game. It was early on in the year, but they gave us a bit of a spanking at the SCG this year. Um, being, you know, whatever it was, seven goals, something like that. So I reckon if they were to come up there, it, it'd probably, you know, going off. I know it was a, t- a totally different time than it was. In early year, but I reckon they'd have a full stem of confidence coming off a Geelong win and you know having a crack at a at a prelim and being knowing they gave us a touch up there earlier in the year where John are a little bit cooked at the moment. If they were to come up there, you know, I mean, they're still got in the back of their head. Oh shit! Hopefully, we don't get done by a hundred points again. So I'd probably rather play Geelong. It feels like Geelong go to Tom Hawkins every every time, and I could see our defence shutting him down. Whereas. North, I mean, Petrie was shit for 119 minutes last night, but they got that 
Brown, Petrie and Black potentially. They could trouble like Ted and Reg and down there with their quick midfield more than probably time where we could just, you know, scrag him a bit like Lake did. So I think you're right. I think would rather play Geelong, which you wouldn't have been saying a few years ago, but that's the way it goes. Just shut Selwood down. Yeah. Yeah, that Brown's almost become their best forward at the moment. Like Black doesn't see a lot of it, but... As you said, you pretty much if you can take Hawkins out of the game like they did the other night, they've pretty much got you know no avenue to no avenue to go. You, you know, he's shut down Motlop and I reckon Mot, you shut down Motlop and Hawkins, and you're halfway to winning. Where with with North, you got to try and shut down. As you said, with Petrie had that you know ten minutes of you know brilliance and Brown, and then you got Black and a couple of other players. So, yeah, and Harvey to come back. Yeah, I'd definitely probably rather play. Um, Rather play uh, uh, Geelong, I think. Yeah, Stevie J's not fit either. Might look Hawkins back still stuffed. Christensen didn't play, so they they got a few injury worries. But yeah, I think I think we'll play. Has there Geelong been anyway. uh, Has there been any um, news with the um, M- MLP match review panel with he Hawkins? Won't go, he won't go for that. He's he's got a six year. He's he hasn't been reported in six years or something. So he would just get he'll get a reprimand for that. Yeah, I can't see anybody. They played Stevie J fit, and they reckon Christensen will come back in. Blah blah blah. And knowing Geelong, I don't know if they'll go out and shake sets. I reckon, I reckon they will get up this week, just being you know experienced and being Geelong. And they have they have given the Roos a touch up both times this year, so I reckon they will get up. But whether they can come up to Sydney and try and back it up again is, is another thing. Yeah, for for me, like Geelong and. <laughs> It sounds a bit weird, but they're kind of polar opposites in that Geelong are textbook consistent. They're going to beat the teams they're better than and they're going to lose the teams they're worse than. I know that sounds very obvious, but, I mean, North are the complete opposite of that. They're just inconsistent. You just don't know which team's going to turn up. But I, I've got to agree with um, with what, everything, what everyone said. Geelong are just – they really – I don't really think they deserve to be in the top four. Um, I know that sounds a bit – Probably a bit harsh, but some of the games this year just they just looked very average. There's just no other way to really put it. They're a good team, and I, I do sometimes wonder how many teams they win just because they're Geelong, and other teams still have that kind of you know that kind of mindset that you know that Geelong are all conquering or powerful kind of thing. But in reality, they're just they're no different to to any other top four team, and and they're just they're not even a good top four team for me. So, I yeah, it both either um, North Melbourne or Geelong. I'd be really confident of winning. I can't see North getting close to us. Um, in all honesty, I just don't think they. I just don't think they can play finals football. I know last night, you know, they they won and all of that stuff, but they're also thirty eight points down at one point. So I don't know. I just personally think that we should account for whoever it is. It's just not a not a big. Not a big deal who we play, just no injuries. Fair enough. Yeah, personally, I'd rather play Geelong um, just because North Melbourne beat us earlier in the year, and I know we were in a little bit out of form at the time, but just looking at their team, and they're going to get Brent Harvey back as well, I'd be a bit more worried about their pace and their forward line than Geelong's at the moment. Geelong really seemed to be kind of stumbling towards September, and... If we come up against them in a prelim, I'd be feeling incredibly confident. The only thing to be fair to Geelong is that for a half, they matched it with 
probably the best team in the comp. Like they, Kent North Melbourne beat Essendon. They're pretty shit. So Geelong <laughs> might look better next week against the lesser side. And as Vaughn said, they beat the teams that are lower than them on the ladder traditionally. So it's hard to judge. You always overrate the winner of the first week and the, underrate the loser of the first week. But usually they results switch back around to normal. Hypothetically, though, what what if it's raining? I know that North beat us in the wet this year, but I just do not rate North Melbourne as a wet football team. Like, Geelong scare me a lot more in the wet. Surely it's not going to be pissing down up there again in two weeks, is it? <laughs> as long as I'm dead set sick of that joint. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I, I actually love flying home now. and I, never, I used to love flying up. Dead set. It just pisses down up there all the time. Over it. Over Sydney, they should move back to South Melbourne. <laughs> Dead set over it. I'm pretty confident Bedford would be complaining if that was the case. <laughs> Dead set, surely. What's the 14 day forecast um, gone? Surely we're not looking at rain again. Um, look, I don't even think they make forecasts past a week. So. I'm going to ring up bon, um, the bomb or email them because if it's going to rain, we're going to have to get a change down to the South Melbourne ground somewhere. Switch your game to Lakeside Oval. Yep. (laughs) Anyways, guys, um, thank you for listening to this week's edition of the Swans Big Footy Podcast. I hope you have a great night and a good weekend off. Thanks.